Welcome to the weekly NFL Reaction Show podcast. A show that brings meaning and purpose to this past week's NFL action. We will share our opinions on the NFL, but more importantly, we want to encourage you in your faith. Together, we'll unpack football, faith, and life. Now, from his mic to your ears, here is Bryce Johnson. Welcome to Unpacking It. I'm Bryce Johnson. Hope you're doing well. We are here to unpack sports, faith, and life. I am joined by Corey Miller, the pastor of pain, and Luke Heaton. And we are fired up for 2021 as we are making some changes to this show. It's a new year, and and so Luke's going to be a part of this Monday show with Corey and I, and, and Corey, of course, uh, joined us in November, and and so we are looking forward to actually doing this show live. Uh, hopefully, starting next week, where we're still working on some of the the equipment and technology behind it all. But but we've loved doing the podcast, and the podcast will continue. We'll just uh, allow you to watch the recording of it uh, essentially, and so we'll we'll make this show available on Facebook Live and YouTube, and and so you can watch it when we do it or afterward and and get to see some of the fun and and some of the shenanigans uh, that takes place. And so we are uh, thankful for for 2020 and and all that that God did through unpacking it and and through this show. And, man, we're we're anticipating just uh, some some growth and and just excitement surrounding the ministry. And and it's our hope that, that you as a listener continue to connect to this show connect to the the ministry of unpacking it and ultimately connect to Jesus. And so we yes. are we're going to have fun. We're going to talk about the big stories in sports and you know right now it's football season and and we'll be transitioning. I I've enjoyed actually a lot of NBA. So we'll be talking more NBA as the season goes on and college basketball and 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 all the other sports that that pop up throughout the year. So uh it's you know the the start of the the the, the new calendar year but it's the end of the NFL season, the end of the college football season, and things are heating up. We've, we've got a lot to discuss with coaching changes taking place as well. Uh, at the end of the show today, we'll, we'll do Unpack This, so that will continue to be a part of this show uh, as we take the, the kind of basically the day's devotional, which is a, a thought about sports, how it relates to the Bible, how it relates to our own lives. And, and so today we, the, the topic will be control what you can control. So we'll have some fun with that. But first up, Man, we've been off for a couple of weeks celebrating Christmas, celebrating uh, the new year. Corey, how was it for you? How you feeling heading into this this new season? Man, I'm feeling great. Uh, very thankful uh, for sure that the good Lord allowed me to see another year. And I know a lot of folks have been ready to, to, to turn that page and get rid of 20 and into the 21. But as a, uh, at church yesterday with a great message from Colossians 3, you know, about, you know, people want to change, but what are you seeking to change? And, you know, for me, it's seeking to change and, and the things that are above, seeking those things that are above, as Colossians 3 talks about it. And we, you know, like we're doing right now and in this show, this new podcast, we're seeking to do something different, seeking to do something awesome in the Lord and grow, you know, in him spiritually let see others grow. So I'm excited, man, to see what God is going to do, what he has for unpacking and, uh, the podcast, the ministry in itself, you know, 
Uh, me and the wife are going to be grandparents first time <laughs> this year, you know, in a week or so, who knows, maybe sooner. So we're looking forward to that. You know, my boys are doing great down in Alabama. Uh, so I'm blessed, man. We all are. And so, but I'm excited. This is what we love to do, faith, sports, and life, baby. Let's get it. Let's go. <laughs> Absolutely. Man, Corey's going to be a grandpa, and we got Luke <laughs> in Texas who's about to be a husband. So he's getting married in March. Luke, how was, how was Christmas and, and celebrating just a couple months away from, from getting married? It is exciting. I'll tell you what, this this podcast is like truly the circle of life. I'm the young gun about to get married. Bryce, you got a youngster daughter. Corey's the old man about to be a grandpa. <laughs> but uh, holidays were great got to spend christmas with the fiance's folks and family so that was a really special time and just counting down the days until getting married in march man well so was this the first extended time with the family with her family i i'd been around them a good amount with meals a day or two here and there but extended time for about a week yes first time and it was uh it was super awesome really good times good what, was there something that like part of your personality or interest that you were hesitant to to reveal or, or how comfortable are you now that you know, you're about to marry their daughter what's that what's that dynamic like yeah i feel like i, I feel like i came on strong came in with confidence <laughs> it was uh it's really fascinating to see the dynamic between like the parents of the girl versus the parents of the guy so like i brought uh, my fiance Madeline, uh, when she's around my family, my mom and stepdad are like, "Oh my gosh, he's brought home a, a great girl!" And they're like, they're, they love her to death. And when I was first spending time around uh, Madeline's parents, they're like, "Yeah, yeah, he's 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 all right. He's good. He's okay. Nice to meet you. He's okay. We'll, we'll we'll keep an eye on him." And it's like it's so slowly progressing. So we're we're trending upwards, but it's so funny. <laughs> my my mom's like, "Oh, if she he he brings home a great girl, that's all I need. She's head over that's heels." It. So. Yeah, yeah. No, it took it took me a while to to get the in laws to uh, to fully buy in. So I I understand that's part of the deal. Yeah, but, yeah. They love you, man. You know, just be yourself. You know, too many times in that situation, you know, Luke, you go in and you feel like I gotta, you know, be something that they want. You know what I mean? That the sure. mom and dad wants. But you know, you know that you you. you your girl, she loves you. She loves everything about you. You know, my, my stepson is in the same predicament right now. You know, he's going to Birmingham to meet, you know, the parents for the first time. And, Ooh. you know, it's kind of like, well, how do I dress? I mean, you know what I mean? Because he's not uh-huh. a, you know, T-shirt, you know, you know, khaki short kind of guy. <laughs> you know what I mean? Nothing flashy. Yeah. You know, and, and the family wanted him or her to marry a lawyer. Ooh. You know, a doctor type, and mm-hmm. well, he's not in any of that. <laughs> you know, he works uh-huh. for his dad and, uh, in construction in the office, which is a good dude. Got his degree from Clemson, and uh, but it's like, hey man, just be yourself. You know what I mean? Yeah, because because parents can see through it. You know, if my daughter mm-hmm. brings somebody on, I'd be like, oh, that's fake. You know what I mean? <laughs> but yes, <laughs> just be yourself, and and when you're yourself and true to yourself, it always works out. That's, that's right. Good, that's right. Very good advice. That's fun. Well, I, I had an awesome couple of weeks, and and I was uh, home with with little Maddie, and you know gave gave my wife Jody kind of a breather. So I, I put in a lot of time playing on the ground, you know, little dolls and all that kind of thing, little baby dolls. I guess they're little babies. We got we got a couple for Christmas, so uh, it, it was a ton of fun. But here's what's kind of funny. So Maddie got like basically big Legos because she's only 17 months old. So big Legos. But growing up. I loved Legos, like the, the standard, you know, small Legos. I love building things. That was always kind of my thing as a, as a kid, but I haven't done it in 20 years. So what did I do all break? 
I'm playing with Maddie's little Lego toys, building whatever I can. These oh, little yeah. Buildings and, stuff. <laughs> and she's really too little to, like, fully sit there and, and build stuff. So what does she do? She comes right in after, after me and just knocks it over. She starts pulling apart. And, it, and it's the battle of, all right, I'm, I'm spending time with Maddie. I'm having a good time. I'm playing with her. Don't mess with my building. Don't you dare take that down. Oh, no, 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 right. no, 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 no. Bam. It's now, it's now your toys. Now, no, exactly. do, you, do you let Maddie's dolls into the man cave? That's the question I have. Uh, I don't think they have entered in. I okay. do not believe so. So okay. speaking of the man cave, I got a Papa shot for Christmas. Oh, now we're talking. Wow. A classic Papa shot. So, that, so I've been spending a lot of time. My, my one arm is sore uh, doing the, the one-hand shot. So, yeah. uh, but she'll, Maddie will come down, and she'll try to play with the Papa shot, but she's a little too small for that. So, mm, that, so she's, gotcha. not worried about, she's not worried about the dolls in the man cave. That's she's right. O- only, I didn't only know, I didn't know if the man cave was a, was, was a just totally locked down fortress and there's no dolls allowed or not. So, so yeah, Maddie's allowed, but the, the baby dolls, the dolls, not so much. Love you, Maddie, but, you know, this is dad's room. There's your room. Keep your people in your room. Dad got his people in his room. Exactly. I've, I've got my, uh, my bobblehead. I got Coach K bobblehead, Jerry Moore bobblehead. Those are, those are the only dolls allowed uh, in the man cave. <laughs> so, so, yeah, so we, we had a blast. Ton, tons of, uh, yeah, just family time, relaxing time. Made uh, eggnog French toast. So that was kind of the, the highlight wow. for the food this year. So that was delicious. Okay. Eggnog French toast. Yeah. So instead of the milk, you just use eggnog. So it was, it was excellent. So that was, okay. that's a new family tradition for us. <laughs> okay. Like, you only, you only can have, like, one piece, right? <laughs> yeah, it's, it's sweet. It's sweet. A little syrup, and it, it gets you. That's for sure. Yeah. yeah. So, all right. So tons of uh, games took place throughout the holidays as well. It was hard to, hard to juggle uh, making a little French toast, trying to get the bowl games in, trying to get the NFL playoffs in. And, uh, but it was all, all fun. And so let, let's start, though, yesterday in the NFL, Sunday in the NFL, going into it, you know, wondering, okay, what are the playoff seedings going to look like? Who's in? Who's out? Um, I think the just from who's in standpoint, the fact that the Bills and the Browns both got in, both got in the same year, I think is a big deal. And the fact that Buffalo went undefeated against the AFC East. Because to me, heading into the season, it was, all right, who's going to dethrone the Patriots? Will someone actually dethrone the Patriots? Well, the Bills did it, and they did it convincingly. And then the Browns, they, 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 they tried to not get in. They did everything they could to not get in, right? Because they, they struggled a little bit even against Pittsburgh and Mason Rudolph, but they were able to pull it off, and now they get Pittsburgh next week, which is, uh, which is intriguing. And, and, and for me, I was pulling for the Colts to make the playoffs, and, and even as Houston was making it, making it interesting against Tennessee, I was actually pulling for Tennessee to lose that game so that the Colts could win the division. Um, but, but we'll get to predictions maybe a little bit later. But I like the Colts now going up against the Bills. So I'm going to stay on that, that bandwagon. <laughs> but, but as far as uh, big takeaways from, from Sunday in the NFL, Corey, what, what stood out to you? Well, I think, you know, you mentioned the Cleveland-Pittsburgh game and the fact that now they're going to play each other again in the first round of the playoffs. You know, no Ben Roethlisberger. You get Mason Rudolph. Uh, you know, a good game nonetheless. You know, came down to the wire. But 
but but good on Cleveland, right? They did what they had had to do, uh, you know, and, and, and won the ball game, and now they advance. It's been, what, so, so long since Cleveland has been in the playoffs. So I know that city, even LeBron James, of course, tweeting about, you know, Cleveland back, you know, in, in the playoffs. Baker Mayfield finally getting over that, that hump. But, you know, I think the biggest thing for me is Miami. Going into the weekend, Miami where it was slated. If you look at the whole prediction, it was like 80%. They had all they had to do was win, and, and, and they couldn't do that. And you figured – Buffalo would sit the players. Everybody does that. You're in Buffalo. Why are you putting your starters, your big playmakers on the field? They did at least for the first half, and, and they just waxed Miami. You know, Tua Tagovailoa, you know, didn't look good at all through uh, three interceptions, passed over 300 yards and a touchdown, but a tough day, no fits magic because he had coronavirus. He couldn't play, could not come in and rescue them. So I, I looked at Miami as a team that I thought had an excellent year, uh, you know, and I love what they're doing in Miami, but to have that kind of year, to miss out. And frankly, I would love to see Miami in playoffs more so than Cleveland, just my opinion. So uh, that's good, and then uh, Tennessee, you know, the team that you're battling with because you've been talking about these Colts that are going to go to Super Bowl. And Let's I'm like, Colts. B, I'm like, B, that's not going to happen. <laughs> you know, and then Derrick Henry runs, rushes for 250, goes for 2K, uh, back-to-back. Just, I mean, just the dude's phenomenal rushing title leader in the NFL. Uh, so that was a great game, even though Deshaun Watson tried to come in there and do some things. But they held on with that doink uh, field goal at the end to win the ball <laughs> game. So a lot up. of – wasn't that great? That was a great game. That was a great finish there. I, I watched that one. And and you mentioned Derrick Henry because he's got to get some love. The, you know, I always look at uh, everything from a fantasy football perspective, but Derrick Henry coming into the season was underrated. Like he just doesn't get the same level of respect as even Christian McCaffrey and Saquon Barkley and Alvin Kamara. And he, like he, he's an afterthought after those guys. Now, some of those guys didn't play this year, so that, that helped. But I think the consistency of Henry and the fact that he gets better as the season goes on, he gets better as the game goes on, and, and he really carries that, that offense. And I think you know, coming out of Alabama, there, there was the, the Trent Richardson dark cloud maybe hanging over people's thoughts of uh, running backs you know, taking high in the draft. Maybe they're not as good coming out of Alabama. And even Mark Ingram. I think up and down at you know he was good at times in New Orleans and he hasn't necessarily done great in Baltimore but uh, but I think Derrick Henry kind of had to put all that aside and say this guy because I was even somebody was talking about yesterday he's a Hall of Famer like when you put those kind of numbers up that's a Hall of Fame career and that's where he's at at this point in his career so uh, what a, what a season for for Henry him him as a running back and Devontae Adams as a wide receiver were really standout seasons, whether from a fantasy perspective or just from an NFL perspective. Those guys those guys were stuck. And the fact that he doesn't get a lot of MVP love bothers yeah. me because, yeah. I mean, you know, everybody, oh, Patrick Mahomes and Aaron Rodgers are the obvious two choices now. You know what Patrick Mahomes sitting yesterday, struggled the last game out, so he's kind of out of the conversation now. It's all about Aaron Rodgers. Kind of a, it's pretty much said and done. Go ahead and give him the trophy. But I'm like, man, to do what Derrick Henry has done, Right, this dude. Everybody knows that he's going to run the football. I mean, you can <laughs> stack the box eight, nine. You can run, run dogs, and all of this. Try to to get in the gaps, get penetration, because that's how you stop a guy like him. You got to get penetration in the backfield before that locomotive gets to rolling. But. 2,000 yards and needing 200-plus in his final game to get that to me. Everybody and their grandmother know that he's going to run the football. 
and they can't stop him. So my, my whole thing is he should be talk more about the MVP, in my opinion, because, you know, when you know you pretty much, I mean, Tennessee is not a wide-open offense. I think Tannehill's a perfect fit at quarterback for what they do offensively. I mean, the dude is special, and I hope that he gets more love when it comes to the MVP vote. He's not going to win it, but I think he needs more love. I, uh, you make a great case. Absolutely. He carries that team, and, and Tannehill has been an awesome quarterback, a great yeah, fit for them. Perfect. And, and the, you know, the, the play-action play for them when, like you say, they think Henry's going to get the ball every time. Oftentimes he does, but it also sets up the opportunity. You fake it to Henry. Tannehill can run right into the end zone untouched. Nobody's even near him, uh, and that, that helped them win that game. So uh, it's, it, Henry sets up the rest of the, the offense, and it allows A.J. Brown to shine and Corey Davis to really emerge this year. So that, that offense is clicking, and Tennessee's the type of team that they could go to the Super Bowl. Um, I'm not sure their defense is good enough, but they're, they're going to be right there in the mix. So uh, it's going to be fun. Uh, Luke, we got to ask you about the Cowboys, though, because they went into yesterday's game at least with a glimmer of hope. They couldn't even give their, they couldn't even give their fans some hope heading into Sunday night. What's up with that? How do you, how do you kind of feel with the season ending? Man, there is, there's so many feelings, and almost all of them are entirely negative. I thought at least I would make it to Sunday night with the hope still there. Yep. I wasn't sure that Washington was going to lose to the Eagles, but I was like, certainly we can beat the New York football giants. <laughs> but we didn't. I thought, I thought uh, Andy Dalton, the Red Rocket, was going to take us to at least uh, a hope-filled Sunday night, but to no avail. I love the just a, a tangent on running backs. I think if you need any evidence that um, you don't need to pay – in general, pay a running back, you can just walk into Dallas and look at Ezekiel Elliott. So Derrick Henry seems like kind of an exception because he's so dominant. But Zeke, like everyone in Dallas is asking for Tony Pollard to get more carries because Pollard is dynamic out of the backfield. Uh, He's explosive running the game and he's way cheaper uh, in the long run. So they're there's extreme frustrations with just inconsistency, um, but we're tr- we were trending upwards. I mean, we had, I think we're at four game win streak, and we're thinking, man, okay, we're gonna win out. Other teams, uh, yeah. Uh. <laughs> I don't I don't know. <laughs> I don't know if we'd be like uh, uh, the Giants sneaking into the playoffs and then winning a Super Bowl. I think we'd probably would have lost first round. But oh well, we'll be yeah. uh, picking. We'll be picking number ten in the draft this year. We'll see what happens. It was a disappointing season all around for Dallas, and the fact that they even had that glimmer of hope heading into yesterday's game uh, just says a lot about the NFC East. But yeah. uh, but I'm, I'm with you. I think Pollard's really good, and, and I think what we also saw this year is the rookie running backs came into the NFL, and even though it, may be, it took them maybe halfway through the season, but Jonathan Taylor's lighting it up in Indy. J.K. Dobbins had a big day yesterday in Baltimore. Yeah. Uh, Cam Akers has, has shown glimpses of, of how good he can be. James Robinson down in Jacksonville. So, so I'm, I think I'm missing one other one. But, but tons of running backs have, have come in and played well right away, and it just continues that, uh, that narrative that you don't have to pay the big running backs. Because think back to Todd Gurley. The Rams paid him all that money. It didn't work out. Then Atlanta brought him in. 
didn't really do too much this year. Scored some touchdowns early in the year, but, but just wasn't consistent and, and ultimately in the end didn't do much to, to help Atlanta win games. And, and so for, for Henry and the Titans, they got to milk them. They got to enjoy them. I, running back careers don't last very long unless you're Adrian Peterson or Frank Gore. So those two guys continue to ride it out. But Yeah, uh, I was going to say, oh, well, yeah, wait a minute now. You can't say that when you got Frank Gore is 82 it. years old and still running the football. So, <laughs> listen, yeah. man, listen. Here's, here's the thing that we have to look at. You know, there's been this narrative for the longest about running backs. I mean, yeah. the career, you know, they're not going to, you know, but that's going to change. And here's why, because the game has changed. You know, when I played in the 90s, you know, you needed a bell cow running back because that's how offenses worked. I mean, you know, we want to hammer the ball between the tackles, you know, three yards in a cloud of dust. We want to keep it third and short. We want to set up the play-action passes. You know, so you need the big physical hammers, you know, rather than nail-tight running backs. Derrick Henry is a hammer. You know, those guys are coming down here. He's looking to hit you. Uh, go ask Josh Norman, you know, <laughs> and dishrag you. Like, Get off me, you know. But you need these guys – because when you need those tough yards, and here's what bothers me about the game today, you know, we're still going in the shotgun. It's third and inches, fourth and inches, fourth and one, third and one. We got to go backwards five, six, seven yards to get one yard because we, a lot of teams don't have a, an Ezekiel Elliott. They don't have the Derrick Henry type. They don't have that guy, that the Leonard Fournette that can pound the ball between the tackles. The game has changed. So here's what you have. And we talk about the pay of these running backs. You're still going to have to pay them because the way the offense is designed is is to get guys like Christian McCaffrey, to get guys like Alvin Kamara that can run it out of the spread, the zone read, all the things that they do now, and but also becomes a hybrid type, which is, which is a receiver. So you see these guys like Kamara, you see these guys like Christian McCaffrey when he's healthy, they can catch 60, 70 balls and still rush for 1,000. But they're not taking the punishment the way they used to take back in the day. Now, Derrick Henry, he's dishing out the punishment. But you're not going to see a lot of those guys anymore because the game has changed. I mean, so you think about Alabama for right now. You look at Najee Harris. He's 230 pounds, but he is not a hammer. He is a flex guy. Think about the SEC championship game. Najee Harris caught three touchdown passes, right? A 230-pound back. You know, when you look at, you know, guys like Travis Etienne of Clemson, these are smaller guys, you know, that can do a little bit. They throw the ball to him. He's more successful as a receiver as, you know, running the football. So the game has evolved and changed to the running back position, just like the tight end position. These are now positions that are hybrid type positions. When you look at Billingsley from Alabama, he's 230. He looks like a wide receiver. You look at Pitts from Florida, he's 230. But yeah, they put him in the what we call the wide position of tight end. The wide means on the line of scrimmage tight end or U, which means a tight end that normally is a move guy that backs off and he, you know you put him in a slot, you put him in the backfield, kind of a fullback slash tight end hybrid. So the game is going to a bunch of hybrids instead of guys that, that are true position guys. Defensively, the same thing, right? You look at Chin and, and, and the Panthers. He's playing basically a Sam linebacker position, you know, which is the position my son plays there, you know, and it, uh, Edge. So Edge is now defensive end slash outside backer. Uh, so Sam now becomes a safety type outside backer. So because of the schemes of offenses and, and zone reads, and, uh, the game has changed so much, guys. So eventually you're going to have to pay a running back because you got to have a guy that can run it. 
that also can catch it. And that guy's going to look more like Kamara. That guy's going to look more like Christian McCaffrey, you know, Cam Akers, these types of guys that are, you know, a problem in the, in, either for a linebacker to cover. So that's what you're going to see now. I may not be paying a typical Derrick Henry types because I think he's kind of the last of this fallen breed, the yeah. true running back. But yep. you're going to pay somebody. Yeah. It, it, yeah, I just don't – I don't know what the issue Johnny was. Manziel. There you go. There you go. Well, with with <laughs> Dallas too, Lou, I mean, that offensive line was just so bad. There was no room to, to run. And, and Pollard was a little bit more yeah. of a creator, whereas Zeke needs the holes, and then he gets to the next level, next level, and then he can burst for a big Exactly. Run. Yeah, the problem wasn't just with Zeke. There was a host, a, a litany of, of transgressions on the, on the Dallas Cowboys. I mean – our, our most at one point our most experienced O lineman was Connor Williams, who I went to high school with, and used he used to pummel me in youth football. Nice. But, and he are we would are, was already bringing some issues to the table. So, <laughs> oh, there it is, New York Football Giants, man, the thorn in our side, golly. But but the giant so so Giants fans today, Corey, you guys are, are kind of co- complaining and, and upset with the Eagles for for not doing more last night. But let's face it. Washington, as much as I don't like them, I don't really like watching them. Never been a, a Washington fan. But their story. They're likable. They're, very likable. They're, they're likable. It, it, this is a, a nice story for Alex Smith, for Ron Rivera. The, the fact that they've been able to, to really change the tone in Washington um, and, and to make it to the playoffs. And, and for last night, to take care of business and get the win, uh, you, you give it to them. It's not going to last long. They're going to lose to the Bucks. I think everybody assumes that will be the case. But uh, but you're still bummed, uh, Corey, that the Giants couldn't couldn't back their way in. <laughs> Listen, they did what they were supposed to do. They did. They, they did. knocked out the Cowboys, right? They beat Dallas and kept Jerry Jones out of the playoffs, which I think most of America probably loves that more than anything because <laughs> it's Dallas, right? <laughs> I'm sorry, sorry, Luke. It's just what it is. Hey, um, that's it's it's all facts. I, I, I can't disagree <laughs> with that. It's all facts. So, but I love Run Rivera. You know, he's here in Charlotte. Uh, you know, I love what he embodies. He's a player's coach. He played the game. One of the nicest men that you ever meet. Had skin cancer, been going through all the radiation, the chemo treatment, you know, making a hard decision uh, with, with the Haskins last week, you know. Uh, and you look at Alex Smith. I mean, the guy's had, what, 20, 17, 20 surgeries. I mean, be able to come back and help his team in the final game. Had a calf injury, uh, but sucked it up and went out there and played. Listen. I'm a, I'm a giant, but last night, I, I was, as I watched that game, I was like, even though I know Peterson did it on purpose, they try to lose. Listen, man, let me go here first. That's <laughs> terrible, first of all. That, that's terrible. I mean, what? you out of the blue, this quarterback that came from working at Winn-Dixie down in Philly and gave him a uniform said, we're going to put you in in the fourth quarter and take out Jalen Hurts, who was the most, one of the most explosive players at that position. And listen, he's he going to make a play for you soon. Oh, by the way, we're going to go for it instead of kicking the field goal. And I'm going to call the worst play I can call. I'm going to put a, a player that's been here four years that nobody's never heard of him and going <laughs> to insert him into the game and then say, oh, I wasn't trying to lose. Come on, man. Listen, that is sad for the game. But that being said, I was okay. I'm okay with Ron Rivera the story of Alex Smith, that defensive front who was just, man, that defense, Tom Brady is probably going, I wish I could have got the Giants. You know, the Giants playing better defensively. Boy, 99, 90, you got two SEC guys sweat out of Mississippi State, 6'6", six, 6'7", six, six, got 99, 6'6", six, 6'7", six, six, and these dudes are long and 
they can run, and they get to the quarterback with bad intentions. And then you got pain. <laughs> and then you got pain, man, and, and Allen in the middle. And and the guy, guys, Kerrigan, a pro bowler. And outside, listen, these dudes are stacked, bro. If I'm Tom Brady that he's 62 years old, about ready to get his social security <laughs> check, beware, beware, bro. Hey, you're you're right about that. Washington has some absolute dogs on their defensive yeah. front. Yeah. So so they get a ton of credit. They're awesome players. Jack Del Rio is a great defensive coordinator, and I even think he was a great head coach. And what he did in Jacksonville, like think about, it, they were relevant. They were like eight and eight year after year, and they they could never maybe break through. Um, but still, what is Jacksonville? What who are they? You know, I, I thought he maximized what they could do down there. But he was here in Carolina as a defensive coordinator. He's just a good defensive mind type of coach. He was good in Oakland as well. Um, so I think he gets a ton of credit, and it was great that Rivera was able to snag him as his D coordinator. And even in thinking today about all the coaches that are getting fired, so often it's about who your coordinators are. You need a good leader. You need a good face of the franchise, no question about it. And Rivera is that. But it's crucial that you, you, get, you get the right guys. And, Corey, you know this, having been a player, but you got to have the right positional coaches and coordinators. And, and so I, I think Ron brought guys that he liked from Carolina that he, he worked well with. And so he was able to get, you know, Turner and, uh, and then go, go pick Jack Del Rio as one of the top guys available. Um, I thought that was huge. But, uh, but in regards to Philly, <laughs> to me, week 17, you throw everything out. Like, Nothing, nothing adds up. You never know what players are going to play. That's why in fantasy we never – you can't have a championship week, week 17 because guys only play half the game. You, you try to throw in some backups. In, in some cases, you are trying to lose. But it's week 17, so I don't think fans care. Like, it's just kind of part of the deal. The Eagles season was over. What was one more win? It wasn't going to save Doug Peterson's job. It wasn't, it wasn't going to really change anything. Draft so, order. It changed draft order. For the positive, so that's the po- so yeah. the positive was losing. So that was so they they won by losing. So that's a good thing. The, the Jets should have realized that a couple weeks ago because they didn't save Adam Gase's job. He's out. He's done. Well, I mean, the Jets the Jets probably going to find out that they did they made the right decision because I, I'm I'm not I'm telling you this whole anointing Trevor Lawrence as this new coming king that's going to step right in and now you're going to start winning games. Is it going to happen? I remember Bill Parcells said it years ago when they Tony Romo and I forget. I think that's what it was. He was head coach at Dallas. He's like, be careful after one game. You know, everybody wants to to anoint everybody as this, this, and the third. I've watched Trevor Lawrence so close over the last three years. I mean, been here in Columbia and been sports covering him. I I, I think he has a great upside, but he is a product of a system that doesn't help you make the next steps in the NFL. It's a gimmicky system. And if you go back and watch the last two games, the LSU, last championship game a year ago, this year in the Sugar Bowl, he struggled. When you know, when those 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 offenses are not predicated, it's where the ball goes and you gotta go through a normal read, one, two, three, scan the field. We don't see that too much out of him. You know, so Listen, Justin Fields, six touchdowns. Everybody was listen. They was putting him in the ground the last two or three weeks. Everybody buried this guy. He's oh, he's Northwestern and Indiana. And, oh, let's dig a grave for him. But they were doing this. They was throwing dirt, digging a hole, and cover, get ready to cover him up until last week. Here comes Justin Fields. Now people are going. Wait a minute. 
does a resurgence. This is that guy. That matter of fact, the last two times they played, look at the numbers. Trevor Lawrence versus Justin Fields. Even last year, yeah, he had a bad mistake at the, at the end of the game. But look at those numbers, guys. And look at Trevor Lawrence's numbers against LSU in the champion, on the biggest of the biggest stages. He's failed. He's 0-2. Let's just deal with the facts and look at these two guys. So it, did the Jets make a mistake? We shall see. Well, if Urban Meyer, in fact, takes over in Jacksonville. Ding, and, ding, and, ding. And they, they get Justin Fields, then the Jets might get Lawrence anyway. So <laughs> it, it, that that will be very intriguing to, to, to follow. But, but no, I, I think it's fair to say that, that Trevor Lawrence isn't the locked-in, number one, can't miss. I, to me, Andrew Luck was that when he came out, and, and he, he ended up living up to it. I know his career was cut short and all that, but, but Andrew Luck was awesome in college, and he, he panned out in a big way. Um, at least initially. So I'm not sure that Lawrence falls into that Andrew Luck category as the can't miss guy. So like Peyton Manning when he came. Nah, I mean, I, I think I, I, I'm, the, to me, and I know I kind of got up to a while and I apologize, but the thing is. You got a South Carolina guy talking about a Clemson player. And, that's and an Alabama guy. I yeah. mean, and so, you know, it's just, you know, the thing is, but I'm, I've been saying this for years because I tell you all the time, I like to look at the game differently. I watch the game differently. I watch a lot of stuff, and to me, does he have great upside? Yes. Does Do I think he just this guy that, like all the experts were saying, that's going to show up at the building and then your team is better? No. Because I know how difficult it is to play quarterback in this league, period. You know, it's going to take some time, and but but we'll see, man. We'll see. My whole point, though, the whole drafting thing, but I, I just, you know, the Eagles last night, I just, whatever, Eagles, they didn't, they didn't want the Giants down the turnpike to get in the play. That's all. That's all. They were hating. They were hating on the Giants last night, and Doug Peterson just said, you know what? You want to play? Hey, you want to play? Get in the game. Yeah. Just anybody. who Anybody. don't even matter. But those guys were competing. They had a chance to win the game. That's the problem. They were in the game. Matter True. of fact, they, they – and then the they ball. get the interception. They go down there and get to the goal line, no score. I mean, this, these guys were competing. They weren't quitting now. I mean, we could look and say, oh, that, the car running, the boxes are packed up, they're gone. No, this, they were competing, and then the coach said, you know what, I'm going to take our best option to win this game, and I'm going to put them over here with me. Yeah. I mean, as well, a player, that's not good. Uh, well, when you were playing and you were on, I, I assume you were on a couple bad teams that the season was over. A lot over, of bad teams. The <laughs> season was over week 17. What, what was that mindset like? As, as a player and, and even looking around the locker room with, with teammates? Are, are guys already talking about what their vacation and off-season plans are? I mean, what's that What's that really like? <laughs> yeah, we, we were – I was talking to somebody last week, and, and uh, matter of fact, I was on another show in Charlotte uh, representing Unpacking It, and, and the guy was like – he played ball too, and he was like, Corey, what is it like? I said, bro, you know what it's like. Like, I've been in a situation where, you know, in week 12, 13, you were done done so what do you do I'm, i lived in south carolina in all season guess what hey honey let's go ahead and pack up the boxes let's ship the boxes home you know i'm sending the wife and the kids home i'm living out of a suitcase and we like to say this expression that the car is already running in the parking lot <laughs> so but most guys like dude we just going through the motions make sure we get them a check direct deposit yep make sure that's good my car with the heat on is running and i'm ready to get home i ready to shut down my condo i'm living in a hotel out of a suitcase the last month of the season i've been there which a lot of guys are there so they're not really into the games anyway so but uh, but then you were you last night as a fan you were frustrated yeah that they didn't finish strong so 
Uh, how do you reconcile that, I guess? Well, you what, know. What should we expect as fans? Well, Jesus like, got a hold of me. There you go. That's true. That's true. You know, my mindset has changed, B. Like, my heart has changed. I want these guys to fight to the end. Yeah. Fight. To, no, I wouldn't even have a problem if they came out there and said, okay, we're going to be the Florida Gators, right? <laughs> we're going to be the Florida Gators and just say, hey, from the beginning, I'm letting you know this game doesn't matter. Right? We saw that with Florida, right? Did y'all see that game? You know, Oklahoma and Florida, it was like, okay, I'm playing. He said, I'm playing a bunch of scout team guys. They want to play. So I'm fine with that as you tip from the beginning. Yeah, and I'm I'm fine with, who, like, you don't have to play your best players, but whoever is out there, play hard. Like, you just want guys out there that are fighting for jobs for next year, and, and they're going to be out there competing. Because to me, to watch guys, like, not even try to tackle or anything like that, then, then we might as well just call the game and go home. But, but at least give some guys a chance to run around and play and, and at least get something on, on film, especially when the other team is really trying to win. And so you at least can compete against the team that's, that's trying. Uh, but, like, the Detroit Lions, they really seem to shut it down. Like, they, well, I guess yesterday they competed with the Vikings. That was a, a fun bit, game. But, but, but a couple weeks ago when they were playing the Bucks, oh, my goodness. Well, that was, like, during the holidays. That was, that was a rough one. So those kinds of games where it's, like, an absolute blowout, uh, those, are, those are no fun for anybody. I was going to say, a couple weeks ago, I think Jason Kelsey, Eagles lineman, was talking about uh, this idea of developing a winning culture. Uh, and football, uh, so I was, I was going to ask you, Corey, yes, down the few weeks, uh, the last few weeks of a season and a team's not going to make the playoffs, is there this idea of wanting to develop a winning culture instead of, in football, your draft pick has less impact, I guess, than basketball. You can draft a, a franchise changer in one draft, but is there importance in developing a winning culture that has more long-term effect the last few games of the season, like really going all out to win? I think Jason Kelsey was trying to talk about the value of that but what what do you make of that there is value in that you know unfortunately with nfl there's you got all these different personalities these guys make so much money now and it's like so you don't have that really you don't i mean because the teams that do have that culture that one in culture or the teams that's been like New England or now we've seen with Kansas City. You know, now we've seen, you know, even with the Colts. You know, they're going to be in the playoffs. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. They're not sitting back watching and got the cards running, as I alluded to. And unfortunately, it's just hard to, to say, hey, we're sitting here losing. We know we have no chance. And here's how a lot of guys think. They go, well, am I going to go out here and sacrifice my body? Am I going to really lay out for this throw? Am I really going to, you know, go in there and stick my head in there and try to make this tackle that probably may not be my tackle to make? You know, or am I just trying to, you know, get through the season healthy? And I, and I think you see that type of um, personality from the veteran guys, guys that feel like, hey, I'm going to be around for a while. I've established myself mm-hmm. as a player in this league, whether I'm on this team next year or, or going to be an unrestricted free agent and I'm looking to go somewhere else. I've already done enough to, to on tape that people may want me, my services. Now, the younger guy, that guy like the quarterback last night from Winn-Dixie, or a guy <laughs> that hasn't played or trying to, you know, hang on. You know, if it was my son that, you know, in the second year playing at this time, I would say, hey, man, go out there and ball out because now you still got a four, you know, two or three years left on your contract. So, yeah. For that guy, you know, listen, I, I say this and being very serious because college, culture, yeah, I can see that matters. Pro ball, I don't buy it too much because there's too many individuals. And that's, I'm, I'm sad to say that when it comes to money, it's business. Hmm. It becomes more business than culture, if that makes sense. And, and that's why it's the 
only a couple of teams that get to that that level of consistent winning, and it's mm-hmm. the longevity of the head coaches. It's you know Mike Tomlin and the Steelers. It's Harbaugh and the Ravens, and Andy yeah. Reid and Belichick and those types of teams. Now the Patriots were in it different, but even yesterday they actually played pretty well. Cam Cam finished the season strong there, so uh, that probably says you know something about him and and New England. Uh, plus, it helps you play the Jets the last week of the season. But um, <laughs> no, that's uh, that is interesting because yeah, the last couple of of games of the season are are always very intriguing, and the fact that this year the NFC East had a bunch of losing teams where. The, the the stories would have been way different in normal years, but the fact that all four of those teams were at least in the mix of something on the line the, the last week, even though they had four, five, six wins, uh, is, is pretty crazy. Um, all right, so now that the the matchups are set, we, we got to talk about two things. One, the actual what's going to take place on the field, and then the second thing is how intrigued are we by the different matchups and and at what t- I always have to look at the schedule on of, of when games are because for me yeah. to sit and watch all three games Saturday and Sunday that's a big time commitment uh, so I, I've got you know, that's Saturday especially is Dadder Day so um, so will will Maddie be down Saturday. in the man cave uh, watching games with me or not so I of course am, I'm pulling hard for the Colts so they they kick everything off on Saturday against the Bills. Um, so I, I, I expect the Colts to win that one. Then you go Rams at Seahawks at 440. Then Bucks at Washington at night. Then on Sunday, it's Ravens at Titans at 1. Bears at Saints at 4. The Bears, that does not seem intriguing to me. Um, but that one's on Nickelodeon. So maybe we'll get Maddie. Uh, have you heard about this? They, they, they're doing oh, Nickelodeon's Nickelodeon. hosting a yeah. playoff game? Yes. They are simulcasting <laughs> the playoff game on Nickelodeon and CBS. And so, like, I don't think it'll be real slime, but, like, fake slime oh. on the players and, like, just ridiculous goofiness to try to attract, you know, the next generation of fans, uh, which wow. is intriguing. Um, so, uh, <laughs> so anyway, but, yeah, I'm not, wow. I'm not very intrigued by the, uh, the, the Bears. I can't believe they made the playoffs. To me, they, were, they are not a playoff team. Um, of all the teams... They are the least playoff team to me. Um, and then to, to wrap things up for Wild Card Weekend, you've got the Browns at the Steelers uh, on NBC. That will be a good one. That's, that's worthy of that, that late game. So I'm intrigued by that. So I would say the Ravens-Titans is an awesome one and the Colts and the Bills one. Uh, those are probably the most intriguing to me, and both of those happen to be at 1 o'clock on Saturday and Sunday. Uh, what about for you? What, what matchup is uh, the most tasty from a viewing standpoint, competitive standpoint? Well, I know I hate to rain on your parade. I, I don't know why that you and Philip Rivers got this kind of relationship that you think that he's just going <laughs> to, you it's know. Not I, I mean, I mean, I don't know what, what your your thing with these Colts when they just, they kind of backdoor themselves in the playoffs as they well. Did. Now, you take it on Mr. Allen and the Buffalo Bills who look magnificent. If there's any team in the AFC that can unseat the defending Super Bowl champions and Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid, it's going to be the Buffalo Bills because they got it all. They got the quarterback quarterback play they can run the ball they can throw it uh, and they got defense that's really stingy and good so the Colts are not going to win this game it's going to be one and done for them great year Philip Rivers and your two-year deal I think the Colts are going to be in the market for a quarterback in this quarterback heavy draft coming up uh, yeah yeah oh, here we go Buccaneers and Washington don't excite me I mean you know now no. it's that night Saturday night so I'm going to watch it 
I expect Tom Brady to go in there and light them up. Uh, I know they got some injuries, but they seem to be getting on point with that offense right now. Those receivers, they got all those guys, Antonio Brown, Gronk, everybody's catching touchdown pass with this offense. Uh, Rams, Seahawks, uh, we've seen it too many times before, right? We, I don't care about that game, but Russell Wilson's going to win it. The one that I really like is one that last year, I thought was one of the greatest games, and that's the Baltimore Ravens and the Tennessee Titans. Yes. Um, this is a grown one. man. Hear me now. I'm preaching a football message to you folks out here. <laughs> this is a grown man playoff game in January. Yes. Two physical teams, two teams that are made up the same. Defense, they'll hit you like, like running the football. What about Baltimore? It's rushing like 400 yards this past weekend. I mean, Lamar Jackson again over 1,000 yards. I mean – but the Ravens lost last year, right? This is everybody thought the Ravens in the Super Bowl last year. They lost to the Titans. This is a game kind of like Ohio State Clemson. That's a re- revenge factor coming up, and I think the Ravens are maybe the best team right now is how they're playing. I like the Ravens in that game. Bears Saints, who cares? Saints going to win that ball game. We're going to see Johnny. I mean, um, the Steelers and the uh, Browns again. I mean, we just saw that mess done with them. What about you, yeah. Luke? I'll tell you what, I got a couple takeaways. One, I love just looking at this playoff bracket. This you, the, There's way more parity in the league right now, which is so fun to look at. I mean, you got the Bills, the Browns, the Buccaneers, Washington. It's a much different playoff bracket than what we're used to. So <clears throat> I think for me, that excites me. Um, I'm, I am looking forward to the potential animosity in the Pittsburgh-Cleveland game. I think that will make up for the rematch, but I think the animosity there, playoff football, that'll be a real uh, fun playoff game. I hope it's close. And then my big takeaway is this Washington-Tampa Bay game may be the most unassuming playoff game in the history of the NFL. One, it's Washington versus the Buccaneers, a 4-5 and five game. It's not, uh, it's not drawing a lot of appeal outside of Tom Brady. And two, maybe the most... The optics of the game, maybe the two worst jerseys in the NFL. If if Tampa Bay comes out in their brown jerseys, it's going to be the most. I don't know. It's never really drawn me. If they come out in their brown jerseys, I'm. I'm. It's potentially going to be the least uh, appetizing thing to look at I've ever seen on a football field. So I don't know. I think that that's my takeaway there. Not only is it not maybe not an exciting game, but the jerseys surely don't make up for it. Not going to draw you in. Not going to draw you in. So if I think of this season compared to last season, so who was the hot team last year? Baltimore Ravens. Remember, oh, yeah, the Ravens. We love Lamar, MVP. And they laid an egg. This year, that team, the Buffalo Bills. Oh, we love the Bills. Josh Allen, he's up for MVP. Like, this is their year. I think they're going to be disappointed. I really do. I think the fact, the fact they got in is great. But people kind of overlooking the Colts. Remember last year, a lot of people overlooked the Tennessee Titans, and then they surprised some people and played really well. So I think the Colts will be that team this year. Phillip Rivers' final run. And no, it is not a love for Phillip Rivers. It is a love for Peyton Manning, who I fell in love with the Colts. It is a, uh, a friend of the family who sends Colts gear for Christmas when I was younger. So I wear Colts shirts throughout the, the, the season, and so – I wear the uh, the blue proud, and with my Panthers out of the, the playoffs, I got to hop on that, uh, that Colts bandwagon. So, all right, real quickly before we jump into unpack this, and, and we will talk more about the 
college football championship uh, next week uh, on Monday. So we'll, uh, we'll have some fun with that show because that'll be National Championship Day. And, and so today it's kind of we had, we had two games, you know, Friday night, so much anticipation, and they were let down games. They just were blowouts, and, you know, Alabama proved they're, they're awesome and basically unstoppable. But then Ohio State said, hey, look out, Alabama. We're coming for you. We got the talent. And they're fresh because they didn't play a full season. So they're, they're looking good, and, and they took care of Clemson in a big way. And, and so it sets up for what should be a really competitive Monday night game. And, and so I guess just uh, initial reactions from Friday night and, and now the, the, the matchup that we have, Corey. Yeah, you know, it's been that way, right? The semi's been lopsided over the yeah. years. And, you know, but when you think about it, who, who would they put in those spots? I mean, you know, A&M, I love A&M. I love what Jimbo Fisher is doing with Kellen Mond. And, you know, has been around breaking or tying at least I think Johnny Manziel's records great leader of the football team they like to run the ball really good offensive line tough physically uh, defense uh, and they showed that against North Carolina because that's how they play they're not a fancy flashy team that's why I still thought A&M should have been in there even though they lost about 28 to Alabama whatever it was I thought when you talk about the physicality of the game Kellen with his dual threat ability Spiller at running back they got some players man and, and they showed that against North Carolina by winning in that fourth quarter. That's how Jimbo and the Aggies have played all year long. But uh, going back to Notre Dame, nobody expected them to play Alabama close. I mean, it was like a, a heavyweight boom, boom, boom. You know, it was a right and a left uppercut. They were done. I mean, it's Alabama gets up and put 31 quick points on them, and, and that's what they do. They get in cruise control, right? They, they like, they, you know, no Dave's doing these long sustained, I mean, yeah, long sustaining drives. And, and so they just kind of sat back. And they started to hold the ball. So uh, they won 31 and what, 14, and, and Notre Dame gets a late, uh, a cheesy touchdown uh, at the end. But here's one real quick that I love. I love because I called this weeks ago, uh, and then people said, Are you crazy? And I've been saying it the whole time about Clemson. They are a team that got two players they got ATN who to me is like the if he's on, if you go back to Notre Dame HC Championship game when he was able to run the football, they're successful. Go back, and when they lost Notre Dame, they shut him down. Come back to this game, he couldn't run the football. They got shut down. Everybody talked about Trevor Lawrence being the glue of this football team. It's Travis Etienne, and if you shut him down, they're done. And that's what Ohio State did. They came with, with purpose. They were mad about not just what Dabo said about being the 11th ranked team, but it was about how they lost last year. You go back to that game last year. They outplayed Clemson. They outphysical Clemson. They had a player get thrown out because of targeting, uh, a scoop and score call back that should have been a scoop and score. And they still had the ball with possession at the end of the game. Justin Fields made a, a tremendous mistake. Had the guy open, but threw it in the wrong spot. He gets picked off. So they felt like they should have beat Clemson last year but everybody came in and said how they were going to get blown out they shouldn't be there they, they you know they haven't played enough games uh, Justin Fields been terrible they barely beat Indiana they barely beat Northwestern in the Big Ten Championship everybody was buried the Buckeyes but not so fast so I was excited I didn't think they'd win by blowing Clemson out but I, I picked them to win the ball game and I, and I said that very convincingly I'm not shocked because I watched Clemson I watched, and I said they struggled two areas in the trenches offensive line they're not really good at all 
And if you go back to look at Syracuse game, Pittsburgh game, some games that they won, but they 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 got dominated. Boston College even in the first half, they just didn't have the the, the depth to go for four quarters. But and they struggled defensive line wise, and on the back end and the secondary, those guys don't cover well. You go back to Virginia, you go back to Boston College, people have had great success against that secondary, against Brent Venable's defenses. So I picked Ohio State, and I'll close with this. The last two times on the big stage, everybody talks about Brent Venables. He's given up over 630 yards per outing. 630 yards to LSU. 38, 638 to LSU. 628, I believe, to OSU. Listen, these are facts. I'm not... Because I'm a Gamecock or a Bama fan, I'm not hating. But the last two times that the Clemson Tigers been on the stage, the biggest stage, they have gotten blown out. Can we please, please, Lord, help us, Jesus. Stop people from comparing Clemson to Alabama because they're not. Yeah, they beat Alabama in a championship game, but they are not the rolling tide of Alabama. Can we please do away with comparing Dabo to Nick Saban and Clemson to Alabama because they're not there, period. Well, well, they're right there, they're right there as far as the consistency goes. So are they as as dominant and, and elite? Yeah, maybe not. Maybe not. So that's, that's fair. I'll Alabama don't get beat like that twice. I'll, I'll give you that. But yeah, I mean, think about last year's championship game. I mean, that was, I guess that was, yeah, that was bad. They had one game where, yeah, I mean, they Clemson won where, I mean, Alabama had every coach on their team leaving. I was out in California at that game. I mean, they had four or five coaches took other jobs. Well, even that practice, yet players already opted out. They didn't opt out, but they might as well opted out because they weren't even there. So that was a fluke game when Trevor launched freshman year. That's the one you're alluding to. But, but nah. I'm telling you, it's, it's not. It's not even the same. Now we're not in the same category there. Well, the fact that the Clemson's offense was fine, like they, 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 they were competing, but they just the, the defense, like you said. I mean, they just was bad. Let Ohio so State bad. do whatever they wanted. It was it was uh, very very surprising. Well, Luke, we're, we're running out of time. Well, real quickly, we'll give you just a, a moment to to give some love to your your Aggies. I'll tell you what, we're probably gonna have our best finish since 1939 when we won the national championship. I'm assuming we'll move up to three or four. If before the season you would have said you're going to win a New Year's Six, you're going to win the Orange Bowl, you'll finish top five, I'll take that every day of the week. So, of course, it's a bummer to not miss the playoff, to be like right on the edge. I will gladly take an Orange Bowl win, so it's a success for me. No, that's, no that, was, that, was, that was actually a very good game. Carolina played well, uh, despite being without some guys, and uh, that was, it, was a, it was an entertaining <laughs> game. So, uh, that's right. a shot at you, Luke. That's a shot at you, Aggies. <laughs> well, hey, yeah, I'll man. tell you what. Hey, you don't draw a picture on the on the final score. The final score just says W or L. Yeah, what it we is. The, we, you'll, we got the W. You'll, you'll take it. All right, so uh, we'll, we'll have to, to, to run through this a, a little quicker than I, I would like. But as we wrap up each show, we'd like to do Unpack This. And, and so we're, we're back. Took a couple weeks off from, from writing uh, fresh devotionals, but uh, we'll have a new one today. So if you haven't subscribed yet to Unpack This, you can do so on unpackingit.com quick thought about sports, faith, and life, and take a, a current sports story related to the Bible, related to our own lives. And so yesterday, you know, one of the themes going into week 17 in the NFL, some teams have uh, the opportunity to win and make it into the playoffs. For other teams, they have to, to make sure that they win and they need a little help, right? And so you'll hear, you control what you can control. And, and that saying plays out in a lot of different areas in sports and, and in life. But yesterday, you know, it was in the spotlight for, 
for teams like you know Cleveland needed to to win and, and do what they could control. Uh, the Dolphins needed to win and they didn't do it. And you know uh, the Giants they won. They controlled what they could control, but they couldn't control how well the Eagles played or lack of of trying. Um, and so they they were out. And and so. I was listening to the, the Washington game last night, and they were talking about one of Ron Rivera's slogans, which is APE. And, and so it's control what you can control, APE, uh, which stands for attitude, preparation, and effort. Those are the things that, that his players can control, attitude, preparation, and effort. And I think that translates well to, to us uh, also. And, and so as we go into this, this new year, I think two things we have to remember. One, that God is in control, and we have to be willing to surrender to him, place our trust, our hope in him as the ultimate God, that we are not God, that he is God, he is in control. And for us each day, we just have to control what we can control. And oftentimes that, that, times that is our effort, that is our preparation, it is our mindset, it is our focus. We, we control whether or not we start our day by spending time with Him, by going to Him in prayer, by, by surrendering to Him uh, throughout the day, and, and to, to, to go to Him for decision-making. And, and so we have to, uh, I guess, understand, though, how big and powerful He is because if we get to that place and we put him in his prop in his proper place, then we're much more likely to have open hands, open hearts, open mind to say, you know what, that's in God's hands, and and I'm not going to try to control everything. I'm not going to try to you know get worried and fearful and 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 kind of let anxiety take over because I'm trying to control everything. No, I'm going to recognize that God is in control, and so I'm going to trust Him, and and so. Uh, I'll give us this verse today as we uh, we're, we're on a time clock today because we're, we're trying this uh, this new uh, software today, and so we get a, we get an hour today, um, so that's why we're we're rushing through this. But uh, next week it won't be this this way. Um, but in Romans it says, "Oh, how great are God's riches and wisdom and knowledge! How impossible it is for us to understand His decisions and His ways. For who can know the Lord's thoughts?" Who knows enough to give him advice? And who has given him so much that he needs to pay it back? For everything comes from him and exists by his power and is intended for his glory. All glory to him forever. Amen. Amen. So let's rest in his control, his goodness, his wisdom, his power, and we control what we can control. That's all, that's all we can do today. Uh, and so hopefully that's an encouragement as we head into this year. And, you know, we want to make changes. We want to do better things. Some, many things will be out of our control. So let's just control what we can control. Corey, Luke, it's been awesome being with you guys today. Looking forward to a, a new year, a new show. But as always, I'm Bryce. I'm a sports fan who follows Jesus. And I believe in the good news that Jesus died on the cross for my sin. He was resurrected. And through faith, I've been saved by his grace. And I hope that is true for you as well. And I hope you'll join me as we live life as sports fans who follow Jesus together. So thanks so much for listening today, guys. Thanks to Luke and Corey. Have a great week, a great 2021. And we will be in this together as we can continue to connect through Unpacking It. Check out our website, unpackingit.com. You can email me, Bryce, at unpackingit.com. We'll talk to you next week right here on Unpacking It. (laughs) 